Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. The time has finally come. NFL is right around the corner. We're counting down eight days from the current time that we are recording. We just saw week zero of college football, a.k.a. NFL is right around the corner. And most importantly, me and Wally are no longer going to have two weeks apart from each other. We're back to every single week. I can't wait. I am your host, Stephen Weed, of course. Joining me, the aforementioned Wally Lukashensky in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wally, how the hell are you? Football is finally here. Let's get to talking, guy. Dude, I am so excited. There's so much I want to say. First of all, my introduction here is going to be longer than usual just because there's so much that has happened. I want to tell you a little bit. First of all, just the sad news for your hockey fans out there. The passing of Jimmy Hayes in the last week was brutal in the hockey community. And go out there and if you can, support the Jimmy Hayes family in that Boston area as much as you can. There's quite a few foundations that have already been out there. As you can tell, my voice is gone. I'm trying my best. It's a lot better than it was a few nights ago where a bunch of my buddies that listen to this in my fantasy football league up in Northeast Ohio know I basically could not talk on Sunday when we were actually drafting while I was driving through a severe thunderstorm on the road. Do not recommend for anybody out there, but the bachelor party was a great time, man. I love getting back up to Wisconsin. Love to be there permanently if I can ever make that happen. Uh, Otherwise, Fantasy drafts in the preseason are so dumb, which we'll get into in a little bit later. J.K. Dobbins and that tragic injury for Buckeye fans, Raven fans alike. Brutal timing. Browns fans obviously are not that disappointed about that. Don't want injuries, but you understand. And then, of course, you mentioned week zero. Nebraska and Illinois. Has there ever been a darker day in Nebraska football? I really don't know. Good for Illinois to finally have a coach that looks like they can give that program a little direction in Brett Bielema. So a lot to talk about, Stephen, and that's just the tip of the iceberg because the NFL predictions, whatever you want to do for us, and then the fun little stories we're getting into is going to be so much freaking fun. Otherwise, buddy, how have you been doing the last two weeks? And very excited that we're going back to weekly here. This is one of the biggest bright spots in my week every week. I get to talk about a couple of my favorite things, football, a little bit of gambling. Doing it with you is not half bad either, Walter. So love to finally get you back week to week. I've been good. You know, just been kind of hanging out. I've uh, just came back from Newark Valley, New York. Guarantee you no one ever that ever listened to the history of podcasts have never heard of that village, that town. It's about an hour hour uh, west of Syracuse. But that's where my family's from. Had to uh, go up there. I had my great-grandmother's funeral service. She died over COVID uh, last December. So... 98, hell of a life. And then my grandmother's my last one standing around. My last grandparent had her 80th birthday on Sunday. So it was good. Got to see the family. Drank way, way too much. Uh, I think I made some crude comments to my little cousins that I'm surprised uh, that their parents, their my uh, you know my older cousins, didn't really lay into me about. But Kara Nunn, love you, girl. I know you probably not listen to this, but got to give them a shout out because she had to deal with me the last couple of weeks. But I have just been sitting here waiting for football just had the fantasy draft not looking too well not looking as good as you Walter but again it's another day closer to that NFL life that we love so much but before we start getting in you know obviously we already talked about J.K. Dobbins here we have must need this story to be talked about about the fake high school football team of Bishop Sycamore they just played IMG Academy 
and lost 58 nothing on national television. Okay, yeah, it's another top dog high school team smoking another high school team. Well, let's take a look into it. We found out throughout the duration of this of this weekend, that's a made-up team. The kids on the team are dropout Junko stars, a.k.a. junior college stars that didn't make it or dropped out because of academics. Somehow, they were able to trick ESPN and the marketing company that handles all this high school promotion of what they're being broadcasted. They tricked them into thinking that this was a real team. And not only did they play Sunday and get spanked, by actual high school athletes. They had played two days prior to that and were given 48 hours notice. And again, these are all kids that are past the high school age. And on top of that, really to bring it all in together, and I hope, Wally, you have some more because you said as the hours progress, more and more keeps coming out of this. The high school head coach of this team, this man has an active arrest warrant as well. That doesn't matter because you got spanked by people who can barely legally drive, and you are grown-ass men. Nonetheless, this story is fucking hilarious. How it even got up into this point and now blowing up. I'm more of a Fox guy than ESPN, so this makes me chuckle even more. You know I want to get your take on this. So before we even get into my own personal take, I'm just going to read a couple things I read today. buddy of mine, Jackson Day, and I were talking about this, and he sent me over a list of, I guess, what you would call... I guess anomalies from what Slazer at urinated tree. He's a Pittsburgh based guy who is very in tune with sports. He's a big high school guy, big college guy, big NFL guy. Anyways, the school went 0 six last year while scoring 42 points. They gave up 227. You mentioned they played a game two days before they lost on ESPN, but it gets better. ESPN couldn't verify who any of their players were in their scouting databases. Most of the players were Juco dropouts, as you like mentioned before, 19 or over. At least one player was using a fake name and lied about his recruiting. Their address is a residential house. Their head coach has an active arrest warrant, as you mentioned. Now, do we know what that active arrest warrant is for? Not yet. At least I, mean, I don't. It's got to be kidnapping of some sort, right? This is like some, some sort of cult that he has these kids hostage in. I mean, at what point are we calling him kidnapping? These are all like 30-year-olds playing for him from the sounds of it. That's what I'm saying. Like all these, that whole Bishop Sycamore team, it's like that scene from uh, Benchwarmers when they bring in that clearly old man 12. who's not 12. <laughs> yeah, I am 12 with $10. They just lined up and gave him 53 of those. And they're like, eh, okay, it seems like a pretty solid, pretty solid come up in just a couple hour of refereeing. It almost is funny, though, because we watched Benchwarmers when we were younger. And we're like, wow, if we can make that happen, it's kind of a good idea to be the adults playing a bunch of kids. That seems like a good little idea. However, here's a couple more for you. Extremely lucrative to our careers. Let's just say that. Yeah, I'd play right now. I'd jump into a high school football game because I believe I'd be better than them. And then once I'd get there, they would dog walk me because they're so much better athletes at this point already. Especially where you're from. If you're going to high school in Wisconsin, those are some big boys. They'd be tossing you around. Oh, for sure. And then that's funny because you bring up uh, where we were from, like in PA, the team they lost to two days before. Well, it was like 19 to 6. And it's a team that is kind of like known around here. It's kind of that buffer school. It's the team you play early in the year to get an easy W on. There's so much that goes into this. I mean, they're still scheduled to play Duncanville on September 10th. 
They're based out of a Texas league. It's literally insane. If you could look at the actual roster they provided ESPN, it is a Microsoft document with names, without numbers. It is genuinely insane. And that leads me to my thought, Stephen. Here's my thought for you. I see this differently than everybody else. I say good for ESPN for having the confidence not to do any due diligence whatsoever. I can barely repeat the final score on one of the two podcasts I do out of so much fear of being wrong that people think I am an idiot. I am un like what not uncredited. I am just basically thrown out. I'm a worthless sack of shit. The complete lack of effort is admirable. I may actually start watching ESPN more if they can keep this shit up just because watching a story without an ending is perfect. This was amazing. You watch a high school game on a random day. You think it's going to be two of the top schools in the entire country. It's going to be a 21 to 20 game. No, it's 58 nothing. where a 36-year-old tears his ACL. He has to go home and tell his children he lost to 18-year-olds on national TV tearing his ACL. This is mint. This is perfect, and I love it. This is the thing with ESPN. Why do you have to do the due diligence of scouting and reporting this when they're like, who in the hell in their right mind would ever pull this off? Boom. Bishop Sycamore. And it's it's one of those funny things. You know when you ever see a sign where it says, don't do something? Or, you know, in this case, it's like, make sure we are doing our research on every single team. It's like, why is that up there? I think that's pretty obvious. Oh, that means one person fucked up one time. And this is why that rule is in place. This is it. The fucking Bishop Sycamore High school team. It, it's hilarious. It's awesome. I give, I mean, I love your, I love your opinion on it, Wally. It's, it's mind boggling. You never think, especially nowadays where there's so much social media, where you're able to really dig in deeply with some of these people. And they have, they're lying about them being D1 recruits. They're lying about their age, their, their team. At one point, do you just give up the lie because you're getting fucking spanked by adolescent teenagers? That's embarrassing. Last thing I'll say on this is there's a lot of people out there that are basically trying to come to ESPN's defense and say the agencies are the ones that fall for this. ESPN basically runs it through these agencies. They approve it. We show it on the TV. Here's the deal. Steven, we are in college. We're 20 years old. You say, hey, I want to throw a party. I want as many of the good looking girls at school to come as possible. Don't we all want them to come? You're right. And, and, us you witness it. Me, and you put me, the ESPN database in charge. What do I do? Yeah, you know what? Most of the time, it's good-looking 19, 20-year-old girls that show up. But the one time that me, the dumbass, is like, oh, no, this girl, she's good. And she's an 11-year-old girl. Who gets the blame? Is it me or is it you? We both get the blame. ESPN doesn't get to pass the buck because, oh, wow, we didn't realize this team sucked. You... Put this on your network. You have just as much responsibility as that agency does to do it. You're a joke and I love it. I'm laughing at it. I, I got nothing else to say. Bishop, Bishop Sycamore is the meme that we all didn't know we needed. The Twitter was absolutely hilarious. It got like the longest yard memes in there. Like this is the team. <laughs> the the skit of Key and Peel. They have the long, ridiculous name. Oh, my goodness. It was hilarious. After all the craziness we've had the past year and a half, this is the story we needed.
This exactly is a story we needed because there's hopes. All those people who suck at football, you can go on a fake high school team and still fucking suck by kids that are younger than you. Man, we got to get out of this. We can sit here and talk forever. We know that you hit on the J.K. Dobbins ACL story. Kind of my thoughts on there. Kind of a double-edged sword. The long debate and argument that we've had, honestly, since Sean McVay started pulling this out a few years ago, do we play our starters in the preseason? I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Honestly, i got to look at the numbers. Sean McVay started the season 8-0 when he did that with L.A. Now you're seeing all these younger coaches doing it. Basically, anyone outside of New England, I feel like, was doing that. And we'll get to New England here in a little bit. J.K. only plays 23 plays in entering the preseason finale and then tears his ACL on the first series. So this is gut-wrenching. In the Columbus community, I know that's really hitting close to home, even though he is a Raven and the bulk of you guys are going to be on the Brownies, if not the Bengals. That's still one of your own. I really feel bad for J.K. I'm going to kind of keep this rolling because Wally kind of covered that. Before we start getting into why we're really here, what we're really doing listening to that dumbass Steve and that gorgeous idiot Wally. It's the division winners. But Jameis Winston named the starting quarterback in New Orleans over Taysom Hill. One thing I kind of do want to say, and I think we kind of speak for both of us here, thoughts and prayers out to Louisiana as well as Mississippi after Hurricane Ida is absolutely tearing through right now, almost giving you flashbacks to Hurricane Katrina, unfortunately. Seems like they are going to be on pace to play that week one matchup, opening up the the schedule against the Green Bay Packers. Are you really surprised Taysom Hill wasn't picked as a starter? And what is his role going to look like after signing that ridiculous contract in the offseason? And even to throw you more curveballs, no matter what his production is or what he's going to do, is he going to actually be worth that money being a non-quarterback? Obviously, I think I kind of set you up. I set myself up for failure with that. Always want to get your insight. Well, yeah, first of all, you said it and well said, Stephen. Yeah, we're definitely thoughts and and what all good vibes out there to New Orleans right now that honestly, in a weird way, the Katrina situation, I feel like has kind of built them up to be better equipped to situations like this. So it sounds like they're realistically going to play week one at home. And that's really cool. Now going to the quarterback situation though, Jameis Winston should never have had this job in question for him. It should have been his. Honestly, the moment he signed that one year deal, last year to back up Drew Brees. He is a competent quarterback who has extensive starting quarterback experience. Taysom Hill, I mean, I don't want to knock the guy, but he's a gimmick. He is a more adept Tim Tebow kind of style quarterback. He was told the same thing that Tebow got told 10 years ago. Go be a tight end. Go find a niche in the NFL. And credit to Taysom Hill. He got himself paid. He got himself paid doing what he does in New Orleans, but his quarterback days, I mean, they were over before they got started. When you see a guy like Jameis Winston step into that role, step into that offense and do what he did in the preseason, who's going to go out and trade for a contract like Taysom Hill? I think to me, honestly, Taysom Hill's days are at least numbered as a starting quarterback if he can't adjust, but unless he gets outright cut or the Saints eat his salary, who's going to move for him? I, I wouldn't. If any team has even a hole at quarterback, even New England with like Belichick right now cutting Cam Newton today, you're not going to bring Taysom Hill in with that kind of number attached to him? Not a chance. I mean, 
Good luck to Taysom Hill, but man, if I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, I'm a little excited about Jameis Winston, Steven. I am too. Before we get into Jameis Winston, I kind of want to go over Taysom Hill's contract. It is a lot of money, Wills. Four years, 140 mil. But it's extremely advantageous for the New Orleans Saints. Hill's new deal gets him around $12.1 million. That's all guaranteed for 2021. Now with an extra signing bonus of around $9.6 million. So his base salary is only slightly above $1 million, And the bonus is spread over five years. So around $1.9, so slightly under $2 mil per season. That's allotted from 2022 through 2025. Now, of course, all of the years on this contract are voidable, and there would be no dead cap money cost to the Saints. Obviously, we know the hell that they put themselves into over the past couple of years. It essentially would not cost them anything two years into this deal or two years after. That's why you're the best, Steven. That's why you're the best. You can do that little little spot track dot com research or whatever it is. Looks good, but you're right. No, even with that, uh, I guess, a, a little extra allotted cash that saves the Saints, it's still a little bit more than you'd want to spend on a gimmick backup quarterback. But you were it, right. Good job. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's still cheap, but do you feel comfortable almost putting $21, $20 mil over the next couple of years on a guy who's not gonna who's going to be playing maybe 20 snaps per game? Jameis Winston, with his injury history, doesn't really have any. He's more known as an Ironman in the league. Now that he's got his eyesight back with his LASIK, maybe he can see the field a little bit better and stay on there. But Jameis has been typically healthy throughout his career. I don't know how many opportunities Taysom Hill will actually have to be that starting quarterback, barring injury, but you never know at the same time. I think Jameis might be their guy. I mean, he is he was just Brett Favre. He had a good defense. He had a good team. But I'd argue a little bit slightly worse than Brett Favre. That, that 30 interceptions, if you cut that in half – are they winning the Super Bowl? I'm not really sure, but we're definitely talking about Jameis Winston and that Bucks team. And maybe Tom Brady wouldn't be on that team right now if Jameis wasn't throwing 30 interceptions. I'm a big butterfly effect. Love Aston Kutcher in the movie, so you know I got to throw that in there. Oh, dude, what a great movie that is. But also, 30-30 club, that was amazing. First of all, because I think a lot of people forget, he had 29 interceptions going into overtime in the last game of the regular season, throwing that 30th pick. It was magical for anybody out there. You get to walk off pick six to make it 30-30. But no, beyond that, Taysom Hill is the guy. I mean, we talk about Tim Tebow and guys like Taysom Hill. It's like he never got a crack. But in reality, what a lot of people I feel like fail to realize, there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of scouts. There's a lot of reporters at these practices, at these organized scrimmages. They see these guys. If there is talent there to be an NFL quarterback, no one is holding them back. This isn't a knock on Taysom Hill. It is a appreciation to what the quarterback position really is that these guys understand. He's got a ton of talent. He's not at that level to start on Sunday 16 games a year. 17, excuse me. Taysom Hill's not the guy. Jameis Winston is. I'm excited to see Jameis hit the field. I was, I'm not a Jameis hater, but I'm not really here to back him up. I'm more or less of just a numbers guy. And that can, that's a two-way street with Jameis. It's like, well, look at the numbers. And we're like, yeah, we're looking at the same ones, right? You know, 5,000 passing yards, only one of, you know, nine, one of 10 people, 11 people to ever do it in the league. He just so happens to be the only person to be in the 30-30 club as well. So it's the yin and the yang with him. We'll see. 
But I do have a soft spot for Jameis Winston because he's arguably this generation's Brett Favre. He'll throw a lot of touchdowns, and you know what? He'll throw a lot of interceptions because he typically will have a defense that can back him up. And when you're coming from Tampa Bay, who had, at that time, we all know because I was very high on him last year around, around this time, about how great that run defense was. The secondary really came alive. The Saints don't have a bad defense either. They just happen to be the second best in that division. Still going to be a top seven, top ten defense for you with a lot of playmakers flying around that defense. You never know. Maybe this Jameis Winston is that spark that they need. He's not Drew Brees. I don't think he'll ever be Drew Brees. But maybe that's the quarterback for that potential locker room. You never know. I think Saints fans, at least give yourself a little room to be optimistic. We were kind of running through the way too early predictions on this. I was a little bit harder on the Saints than I believe that I'm actually going to be. Because I'm going to hop on the Jameis Winston train this year. At the end of the day, they're just battling for that second spot in the NFC South. Maybe they can make some noise. Don't forget about that man, Alvin Kamara. Mike Thomas is a huge question mark for this team. But my guy, Marquez Callaway, might be the problem. Because they has a couple good touchdowns in that last preseason game. We'll cover them when we cover them. Let's get into what our official predictions for division winners are going to be this year. We'll start here in the homeland of the AFC North. I'm in Ohio where half the division is. Wally lives in uh, where the 25 percentile of the division is. And then we have the Baltimore Ravens, which I really don't care about. So we're going to work our way from the bottom. Started. And then we're going to work our way up from the top. If you guys don't pick up on that and are too white, that's a nice Drake reference from around 2011, 2012. Coming in fourth in the AFC North, I don't think that there's – oh, that, that was a nice little rhyme. I don't think this is going to come to a surprise to anyone, the Cincinnati Bengals. Me personally, I have the Cincinnati Bengals finishing the season at 5-12, and 0-6 in the division. Since he has talent on their roster, I just don't think Zach Taylor is the answer. Good for Cincy. They're known for having long leashes for their head coach. He may not make it out halfway through the season. If not, by the end of the season, that Black Monday, he might be gone. Which, if you don't know, that's the Monday right after the season where typically those head coach firings are going to happen. Vikings, Bears, Steelers. Hell of a three-game stretch. Jaguars, that's a win. Then he got the Packers. That's a loss. Lions, that's a win. Ravens, Jets, Browns, Raiders, Steelers, Chargers, Niners, Bronco, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns. I don't know where I'm getting wins out of this. I took the Bengals over the Chargers week 13. It's one of those weird weeks. Maybe they'll come out. The Chargers are traveling coast to coast. The Niners doesn't matter. They're going to get smoked. They're traveling to Denver. That's always a tricky game. Losing both to the Ravens, Chiefs, not even a thought. Losing both to the Browns. This is another year where Cincinnati is going to get another solid draft pick. Maybe contribute to their O-line. Maybe a little bit on defense. This is in the year. A little bit of an upgrade win-wise from a year ago. The number one thing here is making sure that we have Joe Burrow healthy. 100%. He's able to play all 16 or 17 games. And then we'll reassess the head coaching spot after the season, if not halfway through. I mean, I think Mike Brown will keep Zach Taylor around just because we've seen, like you said, that kind of track record of keeping head coaches that more or less other organizations would not be as patient with. Now, this offense, is it's a lot of fun. 
there is a lot of skill position players. The problem is, is that the running joke is this offensive line is such an abomination. And then today, I'm sure plenty of people saw they trade Billy Price. They cut Michael Jordan. Those are two pieces that were heavily involved in this offensive line in the last year. Wait, the uh, baseball player, Michael Jordan? Yes, of course. Double A with the White Sox, the Baron Browning Sox or whatever they were. That guy was cut regrettably. And also on that, the Ohio State puck guy, Michael Jordan, was cut today. Billy Price was traded today. And now all of a sudden that offensive line doesn't look a ton better than last year. Now, I was a big proponent of the or draft Jamar Chase before you draft Panay Suel. And now we're at that point where it's maybe both of those guys would have been in a better spot had they switched places. I'm not that guy. I really do want to give Jamar Chase more of a time to play with Joe Burrow. Now, we're not talking about what that allegation that came out against him with the, the, what, pregnant girlfriend alleging that he hit her yet because there's no credible reports, so it's not our job to be speculative of that. Now, the defense, though, they brought in Trey Hendrickson. You lose Lawson in the process. There's not a lot of talent here. This is where this team's going to find all the losses. I think I said already, but I have them going 5-12 and 12 as well, Steven. I just don't see this team being able to stop a nosebleed. Joe Burrow's going to have to win a lot of games himself. And I think it's going to take a little bit longer to get there. What she is capable of doing, the offensive side of the ball is talented. You can't trust Joe Mixon. Obviously, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. That's a nice, solid receiving core. But as a Bengals team, if you're if you're like the Panthers of last year or the Chargers of last year, where you're losing one possession games, that's something you can take away and build your year on moving forward into the next year. This is a team that's focused more on development. They know the wins aren't necessarily going to be there this year. They are trying to build for the future. They have the pieces there, especially at that skill position mark. You have guys, even on the defensive side of the ball, like Jesse Bates, Trey Hendrickson, like I mentioned before, that you have that, like, you're going to be focused on them on that side of the ball. There's a lot to be excited for. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get to a competitive kind of pace again. They're not going to be a 10-1 team for quite a few years. I'm rooting for them. I really do like Joe Burrow. I hope that they at least make it competitive. But let's go to the next team that we project to be here on the bottom. I'm going to pick mine first. You can disagree or agree with me. That's how I think we're going to do this as we go. For me, my next team here, I have Pittsburgh. I'm stuck between six and seven wins for this team. Big Ben looked phenomenal in the preseason. A lot of good things come out of there. But then you also have the camp situation this last week where Minka Fitzpatrick and Chase Claypool getting a fist fight. Never saw kind of things like that coming. I don't know which side I would argue that this favors more. If Minka's giving Chase Claypool fits, then all of a sudden it's the, well, you know what, the Steelers' defense looks pretty damn good still. Chase Claypool's getting frustrated. Or you go vice versa. If Chase Claypool is making ground on that Steelers' defense, where do we kind of set back and say, you know what, there's a strength on this Steelers team. This Steelers team is bad. They, If you look at just at their offensive line, I know it's been offensive line heavy here early. I mean, dude, these guys, it's an abomination. You're going to be looking at Chukwuma Okafor, Kevin Dotson, JC Hasanera, and I probably said that wrong too, Zach Banner and Trey Turner. That offensive line, it's... Threat level midnight's bad. 
That defense can give up 20 points a game and you're not winning games. I'm scared of this team. Yeah, I, I, like for this team, I should say. Najee Harris is going to look really good. I'm actually a bigger fan of Pat Fryermuth than I am of Eric Ebron. But it's not enough. I, I think Steeler fans need to realize they are entering the rebuilding stage for the first time since Big Ben was drafted in 2004. And if, and if we are calling it correctly, we're going to be calling the first losing season under Mike Tomlin. Great call, Steven. Claps for you. You like that. You like that. I want to take a step back to give my opinion on the Chase Claypool, Micah Fitzpatrick. How I, there's a third option that you, that you left out there. Is there still this lingering frustration of how last season ended with no offensive additions onto the roster? You got Najee Harris. Two of those linemen you listed off are going to be rookies who have been highly touted in, in the preseason. Talk about a double-edged sword. We can talk about how all these people did well in preseason. They're like, well, it doesn't matter. But then when they do well in the in the regular season, they're like, oh, well, all signs are pointing to that in the preseason. I'm not ready to sit here and call the Pittsburgh Steelers a revamped offensive line and putting my trust in rookies. They definitely don't have the worst offensive line. And that's because the New York Giants are very proud of that title for some reason. I just have no confidence in this team whatsoever. I'm right there with you, Wally. What did they do last year to gain us confidence? And what did they do in the offseason to make us forget about last year and think that they will actually be something? They let go two of their veterans in that offensive line. One was released, one retired in Pouncey. Alejandro Villanueva landed with the Baltimore Ravens. Big Ben is a huge question mark, and that whole quarterback room is a big question mark. I know we like to joke around here, but come on, Wally. It's Dwayne Haskins. We know he's not going to do anything. And if you're not going to give him an offensive line, he won't do anything. It sounds like they might even cut him instead of Mason Rudolph. And if that happens, Steven, you're going to have to find a new podcast host because I think I'm going to be crying for the next 12 months at least. Well, we would have known if it would have been caught by now. The deadline was 4 p.m. on Tuesday, August 31st. It's about quarter to eight right now. So we would have known. Definitely want to double check that. They They need as many quarterbacks in that room. Why not keep Dwayne? He's, he's going to be a great scout team quarterback. But their first six games at Buffalo, home against the Raiders, Bengals, at Green Bay, home against the Broncos and the Seahawks. I have them going three and three in that stretch, going into the bye week. Then they're coming back with the Browns, loss. Bears, Lions should win both those. Chargers, Bengals. And you're ending the season with the Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, and Ravens. So that last six games really going to define you as a team. And if it was anything like how you finished last season, we are all just going to sit there and laugh with you. I'm calling, as well as Wally, the first losing season under Mike Tomlin. I'm a little bit nicer. I have them at 8-9. and nine. Hindsight will be 2020 at the end of this season. I'll give them 8-9. and nine. Let's move up to who I have in the second place in this division. Who will be the Baltimore Ravens? So obviously a little bit of foreshadowing. We'll wait for my turn here. The Baltimore Ravens, I'm just finally here. Lamar Jackson's not going to make that leap as a passer. He's just not going to. Even though he will have his best receiving core in his career in Baltimore, Sammy Watkins, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, Rashad Bateman, and of course Mark Andrews, who is his biggest safety valve. You're losing J.K. Dobbins. That offensive line is always going to be good, as well as your defense, who has been known to be good. As long as it's underneath John Harbaugh, that is going to be a great defense. Open against the Raiders, home versus the Chiefs. I have them going 
one and one. And that's even kind of a stretch. We'll see. We all know how the Vegas Raiders like to play early in the season. Lions, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Bengals. Okay. I have them at five and two going into the bye week. Then you have Minnesota, Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Packers. That is a hell of a stretch. You have the Vikings, who may be on the up and up in the defense. I don't really think so. Some others might think. The Dolphins, always a good defense. Maybe looking for that revenge game after Lamar torched them in the opening game two years ago. Chicago, that defense is going to be much improved. The Browns, going to be a top three defense. Steelers, you know, is going to be a great defense. And Packers will at least always give you a run for their money defensively that late in the season. That's when they really start firing on all cylinders. I have the Baltimore Ravens going 11-6, and 4-2 in that division. Finishing second, I just don't trust Lamar Jackson as a passer. He can always get it done with his legs. Like I said in the past episodes, that's just one tackle. I don't think Lamar's all that in a bag of chips. Actually, Stephen, I agree with you again. I don't think Baltimore gets it done this year. I had teased it when we did our division preview a few weeks ago that I thought Baltimore might just win this division. I've gone back and forth, teeter-tottering around, and I could, I'm like stuck for both the Browns and the Ravens at 10 and 11 wins. And I'll explain for both. But I think the, the Ravens end up with 10 wins, especially after the J.K. Dobbins news. I like Gus Edwards. I really do think they can be a good running back. I think Lamar Jackson might be the most prolific running quarterback of all time. The problem is, is that the options for him at the wideout and tight end position, it's tough. I mean, Sammy Watkins is going to be out there. Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to be out there. And then, of course, you have Mark Andrews. There are worse things than having Mark Andrews as your tight end. But, I mean, if Sammy Watkins is realistically your number two, even if Rashad Bateman comes in right away day one and makes himself in as that number two wide receiver, I really don't trust these wide receivers to be able to get it done. Offensive line, too. I mean, you're basically trying to raise the dead by making your right side of your line Kevin Zeitler in Alejandro Villanueva, which you alluded to earlier with the Steelers. I have difficulties believing that offense gets it done, especially when you consider the fact that with each passing year, and it's been a narrative this offseason, that defensive coordinators are kind of figuring out Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense. If you can throw seven defensive backs on the field, make him throw the ball, he's not as great as I guess a lot of people would want him to be. Defense is going to be electric. Once again, it's just can they overcome that offense? They're very good chance they make the playoffs, whether that be wild card or division. Doesn't really matter. I think that in that first playoff game, until they can really prove it to me, and that Titans game this year in a wild card game really didn't, until they prove it to me, I have a real difficult time picking this team to come out of that AFC and. I guess that just leaves the Cleveland Browns as my presumptive AFC North champion. You go through the schedule, and I've done it twice now. Each one of these teams I've gone through twice in the last few weeks, and I've gone at different points. First time I went through, I was blitzed in Orlando with my family. This next time, I was completely sitting there dissecting as much as I could these teams. And the Browns, I think, are just stuck at 10 or 11 wins as well. It's not a problem to them. If they can win 10 or 11 games, especially with the way they're going to perform in the division, I think they're fine to make the playoffs, and they're built for the playoffs. Even if you're a 10-7 team as a Browns fan, you walk in, I'd be fired up. I'd be feeling good. You know how high I am on Baker Mayfield, Steven, and this offensive line. We've been shitting on offensive line so far in the North. 
This one's good. Jedrick Wills, Joel Petonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin. Good luck finding a better one out there. Then you include those skill positions. I mean, this offense is just unbelievable. It really is. And then this year with the addition of Jadavion Clowney, I, I mean, there's not a lot of weaknesses on this team, period. Period. It's just can they weather the storm of what this expectations are for this team and you know for a long time Cleveland has not been able to I guess perform to what the expectations are I'd be interested to hear from you I assume you have the Browns also as your division champs but I would love to know why I have them being able to crack that 10 win mark there's a lot of games that they can go one way or another that home field advantage if some of these were away games this might be a little bit different I have them finishing and winning the division at 13-4. and four. Let's kind of run through this schedule here. So opening day, loss to the Chiefs. Texans, Bears, Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, Bengals, Patriots, Lions are their next 10 games. I have them winning them all. And then losing to the Ravens. So 10-2 and two going into their bye week. Then you have the Ravens, Raiders, in Green Bay, in Pittsburgh, Bengals, Chargers, and the Bengals. A couple of these games could go the other way. I have them splitting with Baltimore. Maybe that's their weakness this year. <laughs> Highly doubt that the running offense is, or their running defense is going to be their Achilles heel. We don't know what the Vegas Raiders will look like. That Packers-Browns game, honestly, that's a toss-up. I took the Packers because Bakhtiari will finally be back. I think their offensive line is will be great. Nowhere to the extent of the Cleveland Browns. And I have them losing to Pittsburgh week 17 at home. That's just like a gimme. Maybe they've already made it. They're not going to rest. They're not going to have any of their starters in. And they have it that way week 17, week 18. Finish it up against the Bengals. The only games I'm, maybe the Chargers. Maybe they lose to the Chargers. Maybe they drop one to the Cardinals or the Broncos. Or maybe the Patriots in Gillette week 10. I just don't have any trust in any of these other teams. Where on paper, the Browns just look like they will dominate anyone that they have here. I mean, what defensive rush should I be worried about? The Broncos is the biggest one that sticks out to me outside of the Baltimore Ravens. So that's outside of the division. I sprinkle in, obviously, Pittsburgh in that division as well. And maybe the Packers, depending on how they look and how how great Rashawn Gary is playing for them. But you still got Z. Still got Zedarius Smith that will get out to the pass. He's a top three, top five in all those categories for pass rushing, no one just gives them that credit. So there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts with the Cleveland Browns. But I think they're going to come out 13-4, and four, drop a couple of late that no one really gives a shit about. They're coming out in that division and potentially to the Super Bowl. I want to say one more thing, and I think that you would have to agree, listening off what you just said, is Browns fans, we implore you. And I say we because I know Steven agrees. We implore you. Do not panic when you lose week one to the Chiefs. I don't care if you lose by three scores. This is a very determined, angry Chiefs team coming out of this offseason. You're good. You're going to be okay. Don't panic on week one. Steven's picking you to go 13-4. I'm picking him to go 10-7. and seven. Both of us have them winning the division. Steven, please throw us over to the next one. You got the AFC East here. I know we're both going to agree on who we have at the bottom of the AFC East here. The New York Jets, just like the Jets, the Jaguars, we're not really expecting a lot with that rookie quarterback being played. Zach Wilson, I'm excited to watch him play. 
he torched Green Bay secondary in a preseason game. I don't care. If rookie quarterbacks are doing this to our second, third, and fourth string defensive players, that's a good sign. I don't care that it's all preseason. You know what this shows me? That the kid that we were giving doubts to in BYU is essentially beating players that went to better colleges that had a better team around him. He is smoking these kids. He's going to be up there towards the end of the year. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year or anything like that. Opening up against the Panthers, Sam Darnold's hungry. He wants to beat you. Then you're playing the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. Then you go out to Denver. That offense line's fucking horrible in New York. Jets and Giants. Nick Chubb, Von Miller will be coming after you. Then Tennessee. Don't trust you. Atlanta Falcons. That defense is bad, but not that bad. Then you play the Patriots again. Then you play the Bengals and the Colts and the Bills. Then the Dolphins. Maybe you can win against the Texans. I have them beating the Eagles, losing to the Saints, losing all the division games, and beating the Jaguars while we're losing to the Bucks and losing to the Bills to end the season. Them winning two wins is a stretch. Well, that's the most realistic we can I can put it on there. Maybe they beat Carolina week one. You know they're not beating Bill Belichick in that defense because he loves going up against rookie quarterbacks. Titans offense, Falcons offense, Bucks offense, Colts offense, Bills offense going to have way too much firepower for them. It's going to be an abysmal year for the Jets, but it's a positive abysmal year because you have Zach Wilson and maybe you're going to get another top three pick to pair up with him if that's a receiver. Focus on the O-line or maybe add on to your defense. Two and 15, I feel like I'm being nice about the Jets. I might be a little high on them. I have them four and 13, but again, I think we're on a similar page where they're going to have a top five pick. This team is bad. What I will say, if you want me to be nice about the Jets, if you're a Jets fan out there, a couple things I really genuinely believe. The left side of that offensive line is one of my favorite left sides or either side offensive lines in all of football right now. You have a young Makai Becton who I have an awkward man crush on. You watch this guy. He's got the perfect length. He's giant, but his feet are great. He is athletic, and he's somehow like 334, 340 pounds, whatever it is. And then you bring in a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker who has so much versatility inside on that offense line. He can jump right guard. He can jump center. He can be a tackle in a desperate pinch. This team is fun. Yeah, you bring in Zach Wilson. It sounds like Steven's a lot higher on him than I am. I don't know what it is. He just doesn't do it for me. I'll kind of try to give him a chance as I watch him this year. But the Jets are going to be bad. Don't expect wins. You expect development. You got rid of Adam Gase. That's good. You know what What you're going to do? The whole point of this year, like he said, you want to see growth. You want to see improvement. You expect to see competent coaching. And I think all of those things are possible right now with this new regime. And I think for Jets fans, maybe, just maybe, find a silver lining in a 4-13 kind of season when you see an offensive line be able to protect your potential future blockbuster quarterback in Zach Wilson. Now we'll go to our second team. We might disagree. I'm pretty sure we will. So keep that in mind. So we'll go to my third place team in the AFC East first. I'm actually going to say after the news today, I'm going with the New England Patriots. I think they're going to finish at eight and nine, going two and four in the division. They're a team to me. They're not far away I just don't feel like there's anything that when you look at that team that's going to overpower any opposition. 
especially when you consider now all of a sudden the Buffalo is the lead pack in the East. And New England, while I love me some Billy B, Mac Jones does take time. Like a rookie quarterback, it's going to take time to develop these guys. And, and the fact that you're looking at guys like Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers is your top guys. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I did love that they brought in two tight ends. It kind of gives you that reminiscent, only talking football here, gives you that reminiscent feeling of Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski a little bit. You run a little two tight end sets. I think they could be fun to watch. They spent more money in free agency than they've ever spent before under Belichick. Then you also consider the fact you have Dante Hightower back. This is a team that has the high ceiling of going, I'd say, 10 wins. Maybe getting a wild card. I just don't see it quite yet. I think you have to expect a little bit of growing pains out of a Mac Jones young quarterback here. Eight and nine's not the end of the world, though, for Pats fans. Now we're gonna go to Mr. Weed here. Maybe he's disagreeing. He thinks that Miami might be the third team. What do you got on New England, though? We're right there, baby. I also have New England finishing third in the division at eight and nine. Now, this offense is built for a Cam Newton or a rookie quarterback. I know we kind of touched on this here you know, a couple weeks ago. You got the two tight end system. I don't really feel comfortable with the wide receivers. But Hunter Henry is slated to miss multiple weeks while he's undergoing an MRI on his shoulder. So we don't even know when we're going to be able to see him on the field. It's going to be all Jonu Smith in there, minus Sony Michelle, who they had traded to the Los Angeles Rams here last week. How is that running back room going to look? You know Bill Belichick and his running backs, he'll always make it happen. But I love it. Uncharted territory. Bill Belichick with a rookie quarterback? This is going to be fun. Now on the defensive side of the ball, Stephon Gilmore was placed on the PUP list here. So that automatically means we will not see him till minimum week seven in the NFL season. Your top cornerback, arguably a lot of trade speculation and rumors going on this offseason where looks like he's going to stay. Maybe he gets traded after coming on the PUP list, having a couple strong games. Maybe they ship him out. They open the season with Miami, Jets, Saints, Bucks, Texans, Cowboys. Island losing to the Dolphins week one, beating the Jets, beating the Saints, losing to the Bucks, beating the Texans, losing to the Cowboys. So what about three and three? That's where you want your rookie quarterback. Jets, Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons. Okay, that'll get you going. Then you have Tennessee. Buffalo by Colts, Bills. And that four-game stretch is really going to be interesting. Then you got the Jags, and then you got the Dolphins to end the season. I have them at eight and nine. You know New England fans are going to absolutely bitch about it. Take that as a win because your quarterback room is a lot cheaper now. There's 14 mil that just opened up randomly without Cam Newton being there. So this team, you know Bill Belichick's going to have them playing. Don't be surprised what Wally was saying if they do hit those 10 wins. Let's be realistic here. Under 500, I can definitely see this team. At the end of the day, they're going to be better without Cam Newton there. Might as well have Mac Jones getting all the reps. I like that move. Scam Newton's ass. Yeah, Cam Newton's ass. But if I'm Cole Beasley looking at this, you better get vaccinated, bro. Because why do you think Cam Newton got cut today? He was going to be a backup because of the deal. Just freaking get vaccinated. Whatever. That's fine. Please sort over to our number two team in the AFC East. And a team that will will get the wild card position here in the AFC. One of the three. Of course, if you forgot already, 
there's another wild card team that is involved in the playoffs, which you have to love. The Miami Dolphins. So if you guys didn't hear this week, a lot of rumors about Deshaun Watson potentially being traded. I want to say three first rounds, two second round picks is what the Dolphins had offered for Deshaun Watson. But right before we were recording here, we had stories breaking out that Tua is that starting quarterback told by Flores himself. Doesn't matter. I don't really think they have that much confidence in their second-year quarterback, but you never know. He may take that leap this year. Anything is better than him going to the public saying, yeah, I didn't really know the playbook last year. Good job, man. That really shows how hard you work. I have them beating the Patriots week one. Home against the Bills, at Vegas, home against the Colts, at the Buccaneers. I have them winning one of those games, and I'm being nice because I gave them the Bills game because it was a home game. I have them losing to the Jaguars. I'm picking that right now. Week six, have the Dolphins losing to the Jaguars because you got to pick at least one win up. Beating the Falcons, losing to the Bills, beating the Ravens and the Texans, which I've already alluded to while we were breaking down Baltimore. Now I have them going 4-2 in this division. The tail end of their schedule after their bye week in week 14. Jets, Saints, Titans, Pats. So those last four weeks are really going to be the deciding factor, and I have them, I have them winning three of those four games. Defensively, they came on very strong last year. We'll see how Tua is evolving in that offense. Miles Gaskins is a stud. Martin Gusecki, their tight end, is a stud. You put in Jalen Waddell. Devontae Parker's not bad. And you also can't forget about Will Fuller, who is going to be coming back from suspension. So they have offensive weapons, and they can definitely pass that long ball. We know Tua has a pretty long ball. Maybe not in the NFL as much as in college. Maybe Tua will have that premature third-year leap in his sophomore season in the NFL. I don't really think that highly about it. This 10 wins is strictly off of good coaching, something a great high school team in Bishop Sycamore would love to use, and that's why I think that they'll win 10 games, only falling short and second in the division. So I'll toss it to you here, Wally, who your second team place is. Maybe it is the Dolphins. Maybe you'll tell me to shove it in my blowhole. I want to know. This offense, and I want to give Tua another shot. I really do. I feel like he had all the intangibles, but that hip injury in college, he just hasn't seemed the same since that point. And I will give him the benefit of the doubt one more year because I love Brian Flores. If Brian Flores thinks he is the guy, who am I to judge? I will give him that time. This is just a very good roster throughout. There's nothing to me when you look at this, you see anything exceptional. That defense, there's a lot of new faces. I mean, you're talking about Emmanuel Ogba. You're talking about Jason McCourty. You're talking about Byron Judge. There's a lot of guys out there that you haven't seen, at least for a very long time, in Miami. This is a defense that will be good. You just have to hope the offense can reciprocate. And right now, with the acquisition of Will Fuller, that's great. That's really exciting. But if two is not able to get him the ball, and if Will Fuller cannot stay on the field, I just think this team is a 9-8 and eight team. I really struggled putting them ahead of New England. I wanted to flip-flop them, have New England 9-8, and eight, Miami at 8-9, but I couldn't do it. It doesn't matter to me, though. I don't think either of these teams make the playoffs. These are two teams that have to grow. They have to figure out. It's, it's ironic because Miami needs that quarterback situation to be solidified. New England needs a lot of other positions to be solidified that Miami has. So for me, these are two teams that are just kind of stuck in that middle of the pack realm. They need another offseason to hopefully figure out what their identity needs to be to make the postseason. 
which ultimately means that you and I both have the same AFC East champion. And I'll go first. I have the Buffalo Bills. I have them going 13-4, and four, going 4-2 four and two in division. This is a team right now that Josh Allen has proven each year that he has been in the league, that he can continue to improve, that he can continue to make these strides. And that's all you could ever ask from a quarterback who came in as raw as he did. Stephon Diggs, we saw what he could do last year to that team. Offense is going to be exceptional yet again. They have a decent two-back system there. Defense, you bring in a guy late in the first round with Gregory Rousseau that I think could take a job, whether that be Jerry Hughes or he can flip over to uh, Mario Addison. I, I just think that he's going to be a fun edge rusher. This team could beat the Chiefs, whether I think they will or not. I guess we'll talk later into this show. But I don't think there's even a question come the month of December that the Buffalo Bills will yet again win the AFC East. And at least this time, it means we're going to see fans in Buffalo in January. I feel bad. For them tables? For them tables and livers of those people. I think that's that's uh, you know that's kind of a double entendre because the liver is going straight into the table. I'm more or less you know worried about the alcohol consumption. Buffalo Bills, God, I can't wait for the flying dildos coming out against the New England Patriots. Maybe they'll pick a, a new rival that they can start throwing dildos at. I have them at 12-5 and five winning this division. Love that you finally hopped on the Bills, the Bills bandwagon here because no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, Walter. And now we're on it, baby. Opening the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't really have any high hopes for them. Have them losing to the Miami Dolphins week two. Beating the Washington football team. Because it's a home game. The Houston Texans losing to the Chiefs, beating the Titans all before all before the bye week. And I have them winning four in a row against Dolphins, Jags, Jets, and Colts, losing to the Saints. And then I only have them losing two more games the rest of the season against the Buccaneers, and I'm gonna have them losing one to the New England Patriots week 17 in Foxborough. Now I have them very high, and this is strictly because of their offensive prowess. You know, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders always helps. That run game wasn't as good last year, but when you have Josh Town, you don't need it to be because he can be that guy for you. My biggest question mark is the defense of this year. Last year, they were not up to the standards of what we're used to seeing in Buffalo as a defense. They were not able to really stop the run. They struggled a little bit in their secondary. I don't think that they had addressed it as well as they should have, potentially well enough to get them back, at least in that top 12, top 15 projectile in the defensive rankings, I don't think that they'll be an asset, more or less of a liability. When we got Josh Allen there, pending all injuries, of course, that we this is all best-case scenario that we are predicting on, the Buffalo Bills are going to be an absolute fucking problem in the AFC East, let alone the AFC Conference over the next decade. I'm excited for them. Let's get another inch closer to getting that Super Bowl that was ripped out of your arms in the late 80s and the early 90s. Now we'll see if we actually pick Buffalo to make it to represent the AFC Conference in the Super Bowl. We're going to put it down to the AFC South before we wrap it up here with the West and Mr. Walter's division. We're going to start from the bottom, which I don't really think we need to spend too much time on. I think we actually gave the Jets a little bit too much. we got the Jacksonville Jaguars that are clearly going to be in the bottom of that division. I actually have them tied up with, with the Texans. So I'm going to kind of keep it short and sweet and nail both these. 
I have a feeling we don't have too many Jags or Texans fans listening to this. Agreed. Houston, I have nothing to go off of. I have nothing to go off of. I have no trust. Your best offensive player, arguably, was traded to the Green Bay Packers this offseason, and that's saying a lot if it's Randall Cobb. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Cooks, but good luck being him being your number one with really no good targets outside of that. Their running back room is interesting. Their quarterback room, not eyebrow-raising in the positive way. I have them winning against the Jags week one and then losing to the Browns, Panthers, Bills, Patriots, Colts, Cardinals, Rams, Dolphins, Titans consecutively. Then they'll squeeze one out of the New York, maybe. And then to go on to lose to the Colts, Seahawks, Jags, Chargers, Niners, and the Titans. Those are gimme games for those two, the two teams that we're going to be covering in the top of the AFC North. Trevor Lawrence, just have a good year. Their offense is interesting. They have Marvin Jones. You got DJ Chark Jr. And then you got Mr. Chenault. You put an O'Shaughnessy there as your tight end. James Robinson with Travis Etienne getting his rookie season cut short because of an ACL injury. Don't forget about James Robinson. Only undrafted rookie to rush for 1,000 yards. Is this team going to be great? No. Are they going to be awful? Absolutely. 2-15. and 15. I have them tied up with the previously mentioned Jacksonville Jaguars. They're losing to the Texans, Broncos, Cardinals, Bengals, Titans to start 0-5. I told you they're going to sneak one out against Miami Week 6. I'm still calling that. Then to go on to lose to the Seahawks, Bills, Colts, Niners, Falcons, Rams, Titans, Jets, Patriots, Week 18 against the Colts. And I have them squeezing one out against the Houston Texans week 15. I have nothing I want to go off of here. Trevor Lawrence, you're going to be great. Not your time, bud. Let's see if we can get another top five pick in here to start really building that offense, looking at the offensive line, and really starting helping Trevor because he will be that guy for the next 12 to 15 years. You just got to make sure you protect him. Let's get the fuck through this, Wally. Well, here's the thing that really kind of makes me upset is that I am obviously an Urban Meyer fan. I'm an Ohio State fan. I liked what he did recruiting at Ohio State. But if you know who I am, I have been bitching about Urban Meyer's play calling at Ohio State all the way back to 2014. He is a guy that he had the power spread to a T down in the college level in the mid-thousands to the early teens in this past decade the problem is this is the nfl this is not a place you can get away with just having those top athletes you recruit you are all of a sudden coaching with a deficient level of talent something he has not had since all the way back at probably bowling green potentially utah to me and i again nothing against urban meyer the person to me this is a wasted year This is a wasted year at best. You were hoping that Urban Meyer can figure this out on the fly. And to be honest, I watched them not figure it out on the fly with Ohio State for a long time. If I am the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do not want Urban Meyer to be my head coach following the 2021 year. I think this is going to be a lost year. I know that this is me being Debbie Raincloud. Not a lot. There's a lot of talent on that offense, like you just said. However, I just don't think that it's going to be utilized. And if you can't utilize the talent, you're not going to have it. I mean, I'm a Raiders fan. I love what Henry Ruggs could bring to the team. And we'll get more into that. He wasn't used last year. And that is coaching. That is coaching. And I think coaching will be a problem with this Jaguars team. I also have them going 2-15. and 15. And to be honest, I think I'm going to call my shot as Urban Meyer is fired after one year. 
one year, even with having the number one pick, no expectations really going into the season, you're still going to give your man one year. I think the offense is going to look so inept that one year has to be it. Yes. I think that there's too much talent for that offense. I mean, granted, the offense is going to be bad. But totally inept to fire Urban Meyer. I think there's actually enough pieces. I can see where you're coming from, not using the pieces. I can definitely see that. But he'd real. I mean, you'd have to average like a 15 point loss every game. I think to really or 15 to 20 points. Like if they're competitive, like we were saying with the Jets, if you know if they have a bunch of those one, one possession, one score games that they're losing. Okay, but yeah, I mean, if they're averaging 15 to 20 points that they're losing by every loss. Why not? Because that's just not going to cut it. I just don't believe that it happens. I just, I've seen it for too long. As a Buckeye fan to see lack of adjustments, I think this team just basically rides and dies under Urban Meyer's game planning. And I think once we get about to November, we're going to see that this was just, it's the Lou Holtz equivalent of 20 to 25 years ago. It's a guy that belongs in college that should never coach in the NFL. Now, we'll transition here a little bit. We'll go to the Houston Texans. I have them. I did this two times, like I've mentioned before in past uh, divisions. Can't remember which teams. I have had them somewhere between three and six wins. It doesn't matter either way. They're not a good team. A lot of that depends on what goes on at that quarterback position. Is it Tyrod Taylor, which we are kind of presumptively under that, I guess, impression to believe that it is? There's just not a lot of... There's not a lot here to be excited about. I do like the acquisition of Nico Collins this last year in the third round. I really do like me some Nico. I also like what we saw out of Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan last year. They've done a good job producing talent in the last few years at that NFL kind of level. It's just this isn't a team that's built to win a lot of games, especially with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. I'm going to go 5-12 with this team. They'll probably be one of the two losses to Jacksonville. But the way that dumpster fire down there in Houston has looked, I think that they're going to be happy to see Jacksonville be even worse next year because I think that's the only thing that kind of can be an umbrella and hide that ray of hate from everyone else. Those bottom two teams in the South are nowhere near the top two, which we'll start talking to now. I'll give you the opportunity first, Stephen, to give us your second place team. Hopefully we're on the same side, although going off... We are not going to be on the same side. We've been going on mic, off mic. We've been going back and forth about this division. So my second place team, I have the Tennessee Titans. They're going to be finishing... The fuck you eating? Jerky. Jesus. I have the Tennessee Titans going 9-8, and eight, finishing second place in this division. I have them losing their first game against the Arizona Cardinals, bouncing back against the Seahawks, splitting with the Indianapolis Colts on the home-and-home. Home. But they got some laydowns, Jets, Jaguars. Then you have the Bills, Chiefs, and Colts, Rams, Saints, which is a question mark, Texans, Pats. So that's a very interesting stretch. You have the bye week. Last few games, you have... Home against Jacksonville, away at Pittsburgh. Home against the Niners. Home against the Dolphins, away at Houston. I have them going 3-2 and two in that, but this is my biggest thing. I don't even have them in the playoffs. I have them barely missing out of the wild card spot. Why? I know that they added Julio Jones in the offseason. So, of course, on paper, that this looks amazing. You got Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, 
Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, this will be a prove-it year, right? Yeah, you're getting Taylor Lewan back on that offensive line. He's an absolute stud. You lost Corey Davis. You lost Johnny Smith. But what we're not talking about is the defensive side of the ball. Where you lost the Dory Jackson. You lost Kenny Vaccaro. You let go of Malcolm Butler. And that defense that was that took a huge step back last year, your only real big addition was Bud Dupree. Who that's that's even questionable in itself coming off an ACL injury. Doesn't matter what player you are, you're gonna have that question mark surrounding you. Doesn't matter if you're Bud Dupree, doesn't matter if you're Adrian Peterson. There's always a question mark. Hate to compare that, but come on, even when AP got it, we're like, this guy's never going to be the same. Goes on to almost break the record that following year of Eric Dickerson. Defensively, I don't think that this team is going to be that good on offense to take away from that horrible, horrible defense I'm expecting to see here. This will still be a good team. That offense will win you games, but don't sit here and be surprised when that defense blows them for you when you have that high-powered an offense. I have them at 9-8, and eight, only losing one division game. But that outside of that division, against those Dolphins, those Niners, you got the Patriots that's always hard to play. The Cardinals and the Seahawks, even though I have them beating the Seahawks, that's that's still a gimme game. This team could be 8-9, eight, 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. Which brings me to my division winner in the Indianapolis Colts. Sure, there's a lot of question marks, but you have Carson Wentz who just came back from that foot surgery. And all of a sudden, he's out till Thursday because of the COVID exposure. I still trust that defense. You have arguably the best linebacker in football right now outside of Fred Warner and Darius Leonard. We'll see how that offensive line looks. Hopefully, Quentin Nelson will be back just as quick as Carson Wentz was. I've just always been really high on this Colts team because that's a defensive team. Great O-line. They have a two to three-headed running monster when you have Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, and you can sprinkle in Naheem Hines in there if you really want. Wide receiver core is the biggest question mark on this team for me. Carson Wentz is going to have a bounce-back year. We'll see if that actually holds true because of his injury history already heading in prior to being on the Colts, but now in that offseason. I have them winning 10-7, and seven, nothing special, winning that division, ending up in fourth place in the AFC. Wally, what's our bet? Because I know we're opposite, bud. While I'm talking, you start thinking about that bet, but I promise you right now, this is the AFC South champion. Bringing in Julio Jones is going to make such a difference to this offense. You are all of a sudden, you looking at Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. We also have Josh Reynolds. That I know that name doesn't pop off the page for you, but you know that's a guy that can be in a system that will play, that won't complain. He was in an L.A. Rams system and Sean McVay, which you know is going to be crazy. And he put up some solid numbers with the absence of Cooper Cup with injury. And I think he can be an asset for that team because that's that's a guy no one's going to be looking at. This wide receiving core is as good as Ryan Tannehill could ever want in his NFL career. If he cannot make that Titans team an AFC South champion I don't think that he can ever get it done. And at what point do you start wondering, what do you have to do with the quarterback position? Yeah, the defense isn't great. We saw a major regression last year from the year before. And I like Mike Vrabel. I think he is a very good defensive mind. Bringing in Bud Dupree makes sense on paper. But Steeler fans, I don't even think Steeler fans, I think Steeler fans actually liked him quite a bit. People like me who are under the impression that Bud Dupree's 
production was in large part due to what TJ Watt did on the opposite side of that edge. I think he's going to find out really quickly that he's not what they thought he'd be. That's my only worry that I have is if Bud Dupree and that pass rush isn't great for Tennessee, that they're going to struggle to stop teams and it's going to cause Ryan Tannehill and that offense to get out of their identity. But I don't think that will be an issue. I do think that this Titans defense holds up enough that this team goes 12-5, and five, and I have them going 6-0 in the division, which will be a tiebreaker because we'll all transition now to Steven's division champion here in my second team in AFC South. I think the Colts also go 12-5. and five. Unlike him, I think there's two teams in the AFC South that do end up making this division a huge catapult for both of these teams, or at least a catalyst, I should say, instead, is that there are quite a few of these players on these 53-man rosters that are a part of the COVID-restrictive list right now that have either tested positive or have been in close contact. And that's, I mean, it trickles on both sides of the offensive side of the ball for that these teams. They bring in Eric Fisher this year. Not exactly the best acquisition. I know a lot of people, like myself, hated him in Kansas City it's a fun team I think but what it comes down to is can Carson Wentz get this team over that hump I don't think so I really don't think so I think this is the best Colts defense in a long time and that is going to largely be responsible for the quarterback position just having to manage games I would either guess they I know I said 12 and 5 earlier they're 11 and 6 12 and 5. But Tennessee's the winner. I'd be happy to make a bet because I'm very confident. I know a lot of people are low on Tennessee this year. I just got this little pit in my belly that's telling me, look out for the Titans. They could be there at the end of January. I really believe that. No, sorry, I kind of zoned out there, Wally. This trend that is going on about people that are really bald and getting like that skin scalp on top of them. It looked like their natural hair. I just watched the video and kind of got sidetracked on there, so I'm sorry. What are you even talking about right now? That sounds terrifying. Yeah. I know I have a receding hairline, but I never have to deal with this. All right, so, like, can you see my... This guy's got fucking hair. Yeah, and you know what? That's just breast implants for a guy. Good for him. Yeah, but I'm not going to grab his hair like I would if he had tits, you know? I'm just saying, good for both of them. (laughs) I'm just saying. All right, so... Last but not least in the AFC Conference, we have the AFC West Wally's division. I'm going to be putting the doghouse here a little bit. I got your Vegas Raiders finishing 8-9 and nine in the bottom of the division here this year. There's a lot of toss-up games here. They start the season with the Ravens. I have that as an L. Ravens, I always come out a little bit hotter those first couple weeks. Then you go to Pittsburgh. I have that as an L. Beating the Dolphins, going against the Chargers, always a tough matchup. Bears, Broncos, Eagles. There's just a lot of tough games. Week 10, I do have the Raiders beating the Kansas City Chiefs, but dropping a couple of teams like the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington football team. Those last few games, Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers. That's a hellish five-game stretch to end your season. Now, Vegas has done a lot defensively. There's a lot of new names in there. You got Yannick Ngakwe, got Gerald McCoy, the veteran that's coming in, and that's not even including Max Crosby and Carl Nassib on that defensive line. Secondary is always a couple question marks. You added veteran Casey Hayward to that. 
Got Jonathan Abram, who's ready to make that third-year leap. Hopefully that man can stay 100% healthy. You never know. He fakes his death every time he hits the field. The offensive line is going to be my number one thing that we want to focus on this year. They have a couple good pieces, but compared to a year ago, they are not going to be as good on the offensive line. Derek Carr is a stud. I'm tired of the Derek Carr slander as well. Give him the respect he deserves. I just don't know if that's going to be enough for them because, quite frankly, no matter how many defensive moves they make, they're going to have arguably the worst defense in that division. Only because the studs that the Los Angeles Chargers were going to be able to get across the board. Kansas City, eh. I take them over to the Raiders right now, obviously because we we haven't seen this team play. The, the Denver Broncos are quietly going to be the top five best defense in the league. This is a tough division. I have it very close. Got the Raiders eight and nine. Who do you have in the bottom of this gorge of a division? So my bottom is actually going to be with the Denver Broncos. And my Denver Broncos team here, I have going five and twelve. I do have them winless in this division. They haven't been able to win a lot of division games of late. And this year, they seem to have a prime spot to draft Justin Fields in the first round. Instead, they decided to go with the corner that it seemed like Dallas really wanted to go with, which being Patrick Sertan. And I just didn't get it at the point. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater being your starting quarterback going into this year. The offense beyond that, I really don't think is that bad. At least that's not one that I dislike. Defense is getting a little old, at least with the really high-end skill positions. Vaughn Miller, guys like him, they're getting older than what they have been. I don't see them being able to beat teams like the Raiders. I don't have them beating even teams like the Chargers. So, all of a sudden, you have six losses, even five in the division. Where do you make those up? It's not going to happen. This feels like, to me, that this was a intentional decision to get this team back in the quarterback hunt this upcoming draft cycle because they knew that they weren't going to get it done this year. If that was the case, I actually kind of admire John Elway in that because he has made a lot of poor quarterback decisions in the last 10 years. If you ignore Peyton Manning, the guy doesn't have a freaking job anymore. Now I will go to your fourth place team and my third place team, my Vegas Raiders. I love them this year. I really do. I have them at 10 and 7. There's an outside chance at 11 and 6. I don't think it happens, but I think 10 and 7 is a good mark to have. 3 and 3 in division. Offensive line overhaul. That's a problem. This was an offensive line in years past. You tried to see Trent Brown. You saw Gabe Jackson. You saw Rodney Hudson. All of a sudden now, you got a lot of new faces in there. Denzel Good, Andre James. You still have Richie Incognito, but then on the other side, you have a new anchor of Alex Leatherwood on the right side. I'm higher on that pick than a lot of people are. Love you so much for having high things to say about Derek Carr. The fact that people aren't willing to accept the fact that he's not the problem in, in, I was going to say Oakland, but with the Raiders in general in the last 5-10 years, I mean, that's a big step for a lot of people. I don't think people are willing to accept it. This is a guy that's never had a 20th ranked defense in his entire career. It's been 21 to 32 each time. This year is different, Steven. This year is the year they're going to be top 20. There's a lot of great smoke, a lot of good news out of Vic Taffer, the beat reporters, saying that these rookie guys coming in, especially Trayvon Morig, are coming in and making an immediate difference. Yannick Ngakwe looks good. I'm buying high. 
This is a team that can go 10-7. and seven. I think they missed the playoffs because of the 17th game. But if they sneak in, you will not be surprised. And best believe I won't be surprised. And at that point, I'll probably have them as Super Bowl champs. Naturally. Ever since Derek Carr broke his leg here a few years ago, everyone's just giving him a bunch of slander where it's funny because we'll give you know younger quarterbacks in his generation a little bit more slack because – they're not turning the ball over. Derek Carr's not going to blow you out of the water averaging 350, 400 yards, but he'll get you that 275 to 300, two to three touchdown range with maybe an interception. People seem to forget during like 11 or 12 weeks into the season a couple years ago, he had the highest completion percentage in the league. So guys, let's take a step back on the Derek Carr slander. Actually keep it going. So when Green Bay trades Aaron Rodgers to Vegas – in return for Derek Carr and some other things to finally pair Derek and Devontae Adams up at Green Bay next year, then people are going to flip their whole script on when he gets in that offense. <laughs> that defense, sorry, man. Hey, how long, how long have I been calling that? And, hey, I appreciate that you love Derek Carr, too. So I want to be – if he's traded somewhere, I hope he goes to Green Bay and does well. I swear I mean that with my whole heart. And I would love to see Aaron Rodgers kick out. We can have a little uh, thruple with our, with our fandom kind of going on right Do you like to swing i can learn how to perfect i'll keep it going with my second place team i think me and Waller are going to be pretty even on here maybe a couple games maybe the record the los angeles chargers i am riding high on justin herbert i think that he will be a dark horse mvp candidate in his second year i even threw a couple i even threw a threw a little bit of money on that i just sprinkled a little twenty dollars at plus 1400 for justin herbert to win 280 might think he's going to win it. No, but you never know. The NFL is wild. I have them winning three of their first six, but then going on an absolute tear. Losing to Washington, Kansas City, Browns, and the Ravens. But then going on a tear after their seven, their week seven bye week, went at home against the Pats, went on the road against the Eagles, went at home against the Vikings, went at home against the Steelers. A nice three-game skid between the Broncos, Bengals, and Giants. I should probably circle back on my Giants game because I'm so high on the Giants' front seven that I'm kind of forgetting about the key additions that the Chargers had this offseason. Veteran center Corey Lindsley, all-pro, arguably the best center in football, as well as drafting a Rashawn Slater to bolster that O-line. Rashawn Slater is arguably the best offensive line prospect out here outside of Panay Sewell, which we'll all see how that ends up panning out because, come on, He's in Detroit. We'll cross that horrendous bridge when we get there. I have the Chargers finishing 10-7, 500 in the division at 3-3. Three and three, And I have them just squeaking in as the last wild card spot. Justin Herbert, I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, he's going to lose Hunter Henry, but as long as you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league, every time I feel like I'm flipping on one of his games, it's always the same situation. He's making an immaculate grab and double coverage with a minute and 20 seconds left to pick up a first down that they needed. Mike Williams is arguably one of the clutchest two or three receivers in the league that no one ever talks about. I think Justin Herbert with a full offseason underneath him, no malicious stabbing of the lungs that's going to cause him to start this is his team i am very high on justin herbert he is this year's josh allen for me if you're paying only attention to the roster the chargers have and will be always a top 10 team in the league they always run into injuries 
But this year, to me, it feels different. This is a team, I'll just tell you out right now, I have them being an 11 or a 12-win team. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought up Rashawn Slater because all of a sudden, that offensive line, you have Slater anchoring one end, you have Brian Bulaga on the other end, which you know very well about, and you know well about Corey Lindsley. That's three of the top offensive linemen in football at their respective positions, and you have a guy like Justin Herbert right now at that quarterback slot, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. This offense is damn good. And then what do you do? You go to the other side of the ball. There are like four or five pro bowlers just that just stand out at you. Joey Bosa. As long as Derwin James can finally fucking stay healthy, that's all that matters with that defense. That's a big part of it. I mean, even, but like, think about it. We said the same thing about guys like Melvin Gordon in the past. Now he's in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of things that just kind of, it's a trickle effect. It, there's something in, in L.A., or not L.A., I guess with the Chargers organization, that have things that just stand out. I mean, if you just look at that defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of giant names. Like I started saying, Joey Bosa, Jerry Tillery, Linval Joseph, Kenneth Murray, new guy. And by the way, one of the fastest linebackers we can remember in a long time. He has a good chance. Nasir Adderley, Raiders fans wanted him bad. And then go to the other couple guys we were wanting to talk about before. Chris Harris Jr., yeah, he's old. Talk about a guy that has that football IQ. And Steven, you just said it, Derwin James. This guy is a potential dark horse for comeback player of the year, let alone just being a guy that can help this defense. They will not only make the playoffs this year, they are a dark horse to win the AFC. Now, I don't think that happens, but they are a dark horse. I'll, I'll transition to the other AFC West team. Because we are going to run long tonight, folks. I'll probably split this into two episodes so that it's easier to listen to for everybody. But let's go to our AFC West champion now, Kansas City. You know what scares me about this team? Is that I truly think they're more talented than they were last year. When you got into the postseason, we knew that that offensive line wasn't great. But we thought that Patrick Mahomes could overcome it. So what did that front office do? They attacked that offensive line position. It's so much better than it has been in a long time. They bring in Orlando Brown from Baltimore. They bring in Joe Thune from New England. This team, we already knew before, has exceptional talent on the outside. They have at least a competent enough defense to get it done. I not only have them winning the division... I have them going 15-2 because they don't give a shit about their last game of the year. If they really, really wanted to, they could win all 17 games in a regular season. I just think they, they stumble somewhere and that last game doesn't matter. But, dude, the Chiefs, I mean, we'll get into it with their postseason predictions. They're not only going to win the division, I think they'll run away with it. Could not agree more, and I, it's so hard to get bet against the Kansas City Chiefs, but you just hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you know, as a Packers fan, I would love to have my front office do this. Oh, this is the this is the thing that we need to work on? Cool. Here's three brand-new O-linemen, I think four between the two you know, off-season acquisitions as well as in the draft. So this team is ready, and they're going to be hungry, pissed, and ready to prove that point. I don't have them losing a game until, and I said it, week 10 against your Vegas Raiders. 
everyone seems to forget how close that game was the first their first game last year where the Raiders almost came and I remember riding the Raiders for the points that game and you call me a fucking idiot. Hey, the Raiders almost won that second game too. I want that to be known. They lost by like three points. Raiders an absolute lock against the Chiefs when they're given points? I don't know. People are talking. No A person's talking, and I'm not going to continue it. Like I said, I don't have them losing until week 10 against the Raiders. That's that's wins against Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, Chargers, Eagles, Bills, Washington football team, Tennessee Titans, Giants, and, of course, my Green Bay Packers. It's hard for me to realistically pick any losses in here. This team is going to be so good on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to hurt. They're going to be better on the offensive side of the ball. It's the yin and the yang, right? We're not going to see Pat Mahomes roll out, throw no-look passes, because he's not going to have to. He's going to get to sit in that pocket and hang out. There's only a handful, maybe, of defensive fronts that's going to cause them problems, if any. This Kansas City Chiefs team is going to be absolute dangerous. You got Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, maybe McCall Hardman will finally make that leap. But man, this team is going to be scary. So scary. I threw $10 on them going 20-0 to win the Super Bowl for a nice $660 payout. I would love to see that. Right after losing to the GOAT in the Super Bowl, you beat his record, potentially beat him in the Super Bowl for the first undefeated teams in the NFL since the 80s. When the Patriots had the opportunity and absolutely choked on a Plasco Burris, David Tyree-sized cock and could not get it done. So I, I too, also have them going 15-2. and two. I think we can both agree it's kind of hard to find out where those two losses are, but it's football. You always have to give it if it's in the division because I don't trust anyone outside of the division giving them that loss. Mine, if I had to take a guess, I say it's the Chargers. I feel like the Chargers are a team that can score with the Chiefs, especially with Herbert. And if that defense is still healthy enough, they are going to be able to at least manage Mahomes, manage Tyreek Hill, manage Clyde edwards Elair. We'll see, though. And is that the Week 15 matchup? You have the Chargers winning at home against them Thursday night? Very good chance. I, it's one or, I, I know it's obviously got to be one or the other, but I think 15 is probably more likely. Uh, I, I guess a lot of it depends, too, because if the Chiefs are playing to go undefeated, Maybe you'll see a more motivated Chiefs team. I don't know. This is tough. But like you said, it's football. I definitely do think there's a loss in that 17 games, though. Minimum one. There's a reason people don't do it every single year. This isn't college football where the the competition is so far and few in between in some of these conferences. You're not doing it in the pros, and there's an absolute reason for that. And that's going to bring us – to an end of yet another episode. This one's going a little bit longer. Well, we anticipated it really going this long, but we want to make sure we have your full undivided attention. So next week, we'll, we will be able to cover the NFC, what we think the conference championship and the potential Super Bowl matchup and winners with maybe some scores in there. And then we're going to throw in the 2021 awards of who we think are going to win and maybe who you should sprinkle on a little bit just because that value is that good. Again, I'm Stephen Weed. He is Walter Lukashensky. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, at Loss of Down. Of course, Twitter, down underscore loss. Wally, what do you have for the fans before you let them go? Yeah, so this week I started at the top of this episode about being on a bachelor party this weekend. Stephen, you can look at me right now. I had this shaped. All I had was the mullet kind of look. 
with the mustache up front. I thought I looked great. The mustache looks a little bit thicker. I was wondering that. I just thought it was the lighting. Oh, I trimmed it. That's the best part. I trimmed this, right? So guess what? I fell on top of the world. What was that called over and over again? Everybody told it to me. Rapist? Oh, no. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. Uh, indirectly, they called me Ron Jeremy. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. If I look like Ron Jeremy, this look might only come out from time to time. That does kind of add up. And that's really funny because you being called a Ron Jeremy is like that. Uh, it's like that episode from It's Always Sunny. When that pedophile moves into the same neighborhood Dennis is, and he's just like the fatter version of him. That's you, Ollie. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, it was one of those when they told me at first, and I'm like, no, that don't sound right. Like, I look great. And then the more and more I heard it, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I might just run up to, like, the the gas station and get one of those, like, dollar razors. We'll figure it out. It's a joke that just breaks you down. It's a death by a thousand cuts joke. <laughs> yeah, and it's and like, it's a- do I keep it because of the joke? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> I have to like somehow find happiness in my own life. And let's leave on that there. Again, he's Ron Jeremy Watson Lukashensky. I'm Stephen Weed. And until next time, which I have a feeling is going to be very soon. I'm not a rapist. <laughs> <laughs>